DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Institute for Priestly Formation, presents The Way of Mystery, the Eucharist in Moral Living, with Deacon James Keating. Deacon Keating is the Director of Theological Formation at the Institute for Priestly Formation, located at Creighton University in Omaha, Nebraska. He's the author of numerous books, including Remain in Me, Holy Orders, Prayer and Ministry, Spousal Prayer, and The Heart of the Diaconate. Deacon Keating has led more than 400 workshops on moral theology and spirituality and regularly conducts retreats and parish missions. The Way of Mystery, the Eucharist and Moral Living with Deacon James Keating. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Deacon Keating, in a very concrete way, it can be difficult for people, I think, particularly in America, when we are entering in this purgative process and we are told that the church should guide us and challenge us in our in our lives. And as you spoke of during that purgative process, it can be almost painful because we don't like what we're being asked to change in our lives. And in some ways, in a very public way, we've had moderators on television shows and talk shows who will openly say when immediately they are challenged and do not like what a moral teaching is of the church, almost instantaneously springs from their lips. But what about the priest scandal? What about how the bishops handled that? They didn't handle that well, so how do they have the authority to speak on anything else and tell us what to do? Yeah, this will be, um, this is a terrible uh, crisis of moral authority. And the church is going to have to take uh, many, many years of healing and recovery uh, about this uh, terrible sex scandal on many levels. Um, you know, we have uh, rightfully a lot of priests saying today, well, there's a minuscule amount of priests who are involved in the sex scandal, uh, rightfully so. But there's an environment, perhaps, that was created, a clerical environment that was created that somehow allowed that uh, those uh, those activities, those sexual activities, to go on. And uh, there was probably a lot of personal moral fault on a lot of priest's part uh, where they turned their, their eyes and they turned their minds and they did not challenge their brother priests to, to um, repent and get right with with God and the bishop and the teachings of the church. And so there's a personal moral failure there on the part of priests, on the part of bishops. When the scandal broke, perhaps there's personal moral faults on the part of bishops. Perhaps some of them lack courage. Perhaps some of them were not developed enough in their conscience formation uh, to handle administratively or to handle in charity or in social justice the fallout from these terrible wounds that were inflicted by clergy on the, uh, on the children of our church. So these are personal moral faults that uh, priests and bishops are involved in. But that doesn't in any way uh, take away the promise of Christ to teach through the bishops in union with the Pope. If we could imagine just for a moment, like either before the sex scandal or during it, if you were to ask, I would dare say almost every bishop in the country, if you were to ask them, what's the teaching of the church 
on uh, men having sex with boys. Well, almost to a man, if not every man would have said the teaching of the church is that that is a grave and serious sin. Mm-hmm. There was not one bishop who was advocating what was going on. There was no loss of moral authority in that way, as if there was a waffling on church teaching. All of this was a testimony to the fact that men in the priesthood and in the episcopacy are human and weak and fallible, and their administrative leadership is not protected by some infallible grace of Christ. But during this whole crisis, there was nothing wrong with the teaching of the church. It stood rock solid. Every bishop and every priest would have taught the same thing publicly, Mm -hmm. that to uh, have illicit relations with children is absolutely immoral. And so again, what happens is that in our own weakness or in our own love of our particular sins, we see an opportunity. And the opportunity is, look, the bishops have fallen. The priests have fallen. Now I can do what I want. Here's the excuse. They have no more authority over me because of their own weaknesses and their own misuse of their office due to their own moral weaknesses. So now I will turn and I will depend on myself. It's an opportunity for rationalization to continue in our own sins. And again, here is an opportunity for for Satan as well to divide the people again, people from their bishops, people from Episcopal authority, because we're not thinking clearly. And Satan loves to confuse our thinking. Mm -hmm. And to think clearly on this is very simple. We can still trust what the bishops teach, but we have to perhaps more urgently fast and pray and offer our masses for who they are. That's the key. And that's the key in simple distinction. Do we see clear enough that there is a distinction between Christ's promise to, to keep us in the truth regarding teaching and what becomes of our priests and bishops when perhaps they don't stay on the purgative way? And they don't long for the illuminative life. And they don't finally seek with all their heart union with Christ. There's a, there's a clear distinction here between the promise of Christ and the individual subjective spiritual lives of our leaders. Don't let the fact that human beings are leading us to Christ, don't let that separate you from the promise of Christ to be with his church always. Don't use that as an opportunity to stay in your own sin. Don't use it as a rationalization. As you said in the media, it's very quick. The bishops now will teach something, uh, let's say, on stem cell research. And in the first instance when it said, well, no, Bishop X is teaching that embryonic stem cell research is immoral. The knee-jerk response will be, Oh, yes, and we know the moral authority of the Catholic bishops now, don't we? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And immediately that seed will be planted that what they are teaching is to be dismissed rather than the sins that they might have been involved in ought to be repented of and dismissed. And if we can keep our heads about us and our, 
clarity of thought. We won't let these social commentators uh, become an opportunity for Satan to deepen our own rationalization and our own love of the sins that we ourselves are stuck in. Deacon Keating, even in those moments when we struggle, as with the recent scandal in the life of the church, or just in our own struggles with our own sinfulness, and we feel disconnected from the teachings of the bishops and of the magisterium of the church, we still go to Christ in the Eucharist. We still go to Mass. We still celebrate the the Paschal mystery there. And yet somehow we fail to connect with what's being taught in that Eucharist and how it truly is connected to all those things we want to turn away from. The, the Eucharist is, is the point at which, if we are open, uh, can really have the power to transform and convert our ideas. Now, church teaching is clear that you have, if you have freely chosen a grave matter and you know what you're doing and you wanted to do it and you knew when you were doing it, it was against the teaching of Christ, then you are in mortal sin and you ought not go to communion. For the rest of us, and even for those who are present and refrain from going to communion, the Eucharist becomes an occasion for presenting our ideas to Jesus so that they can become confirmed or transformed. This is again in our earlier shows that we talk so much about silence. It's so important to have the silence so that we can hear whether our ideas are being confirmed or transformed by the power of Christ in the Eucharist. So I'm not quite sure I agree with the Church on this particular teaching. But every Mass I go to, I raise that issue to Christ. I raise it after I've received Him in Holy Communion. And I sit and I listen. And perhaps I wrestle with it or I struggle with it. But I'm also asking Christ at the same time, you know, Lord, if there's anything in me, anything impure, anything self-centered, anything in me with an agenda for power, I'd like you to purify that in me so I can see this issue clearly. Because a lot of times we stay uh, in our stubbornness against a particular teaching of the church that's true because there's such an overwhelming self-interest in staying against the teaching of the church that we don't have the courage to move forward. And so this change of heart could take years but if we are honest with Jesus, Jesus, I really disagree with the teaching of the church on divorce and remarriage. But is there anything in my disagreement that is self-centered, egoistic? Is there anything that is uh, driven by a, an agenda to power? If so, purify that out of me. Because I want to receive this teaching as true. And if you have implanted in my heart a prophetic calling wherein, in fact, I am to speak out against the teaching of the church. And there's nothing impure in me and there's nothing impure in my motive. Then at least give me the 
the virtue of prudence, so that I know how to speak a prophetic word without tearing the church apart. All of these conversations should be held deep within the heart after we receive Eucharist and then expressed from the heart in the presence of our spiritual director. So we keep going to the Eucharist, but we are always going to the Eucharist with the hope that Christ is going to purify us even more and order us even more toward a deeper love of truth. For those who may be at Mass, who are in a state of mortal sin, and the Church clearly encourages you to continue attending Mass and listening to the Word of God and being in community and having close friendships in Christ because it realizes that these are the agents that move us toward conversion. For a sinner to be isolated from the Church is the direct opposite of Christ's will. Christ's will is to have all of us gathered together so that he can get at us through the graces of community, the graces of the Word of God, the graces of teaching, catechetical and homiletical teaching. He wants us to stay embedded in the community so that there is a chance that we can be brought into this love of the truth and this living out of the truth. To separate ourselves from the community is uh, counterproductive to our own conversion. And I know there are a lot of people out there who might be in illicit relationships, whether heterosexual or homosexual, that have decided that they will never darken the church door again because the church will not sanction my sexual expression. I would ask that you reconsider and that you come to the Eucharist on Sundays with an open mind and an open heart asking these questions. Lord, right now, out of my loneliness, I need this person in my life. But is this person my friend? Is this person the, the one that I love? Is this person the person whom I should be having intimate relationships with? Should this person just be a friend to me? And every Sunday, Lord, I want to bring this question to you. And I want you to work on my heart. Because I don't want to simply affirm my state in life. I want you to affirm my state in life. And I want you to affirm it in the presence of my brothers and sisters and in the presence of your real presence in the Eucharist, even though I cannot receive it. And I want you to affirm it in the presence of your word being spoken and taught to us. And I want it to be affirmed in the presence of my fellow Catholics, many of whom are my friends. I do not want to isolate myself. And I will sit in this pew at communion time because I love you. I love you more than I love my opinion and my personal judgment. So even though it may be embarrassing for me, I love you more than my embarrassment. And so use the time, use the time 
at the Mass to speak at the most intimate levels with Jesus about the teachings you dissent from and you disagree from, disagree uh, with the Church over. Don't separate yourself. And nobody in the Church from the Pope on down has ever told you you should. Perhaps you made that judgment. But the Church never told you to separate yourself from worship. And so we love the Eucharist so much that even in difficult times, even when our leaders are failing us personally in their own moral lives, even when we may not be in sync in our own moral lives with the truth of what it means to be Catholic, the Eucharist always summons us like a beacon. Because Christ knows that that is the place where he gives himself totally to us. And the place where, if we want to, we can receive him totally. Even those who do not physically receive Holy Communion. You can receive Jesus in your heart spiritually. And he will not deny you the power of conversion. He will not deny that to you. We'll return in just a moment to The Way of Mystery with Deacon James Keating. Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from Inside the Pages can be obtained on the Discerning Hearts free app. This also includes all the novenas and devotionals and prayers, including the Holy Rosary and Stations of the Cross, the Chaplet of St. Michael, and the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, all available on the Discerning Hearts free app. Visit the iTunes and Google Play app stores to obtain your free Discerning Hearts app today. Litany of Humility O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honored, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being consulted, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being approved, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being despised, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of suffering rebukes, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being calumniated. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being wronged. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being suspected. Deliver me, Jesus. That others may be loved more than I. That others may be esteemed more than I that in the opinion of the world others may increase and I may decrease, 
that others may be chosen and I set aside. That others may be praised and I unnoticed. That others may be preferred to me in everything. That others may become holier than I, provided that I become as holy as I should. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to The Way of Mystery with Deacon James Keating. What you've just described indicates that there's so much more of an experience of Christ that happens at the Eucharist than even just that encounter with him when we receive communion. For so many, they have heard, you're not welcomed. This is not a hospitable place because you are denied communion, so don't even come. You're being denied Christ. But again, just what you've just described is that's not at all what occurs. So Christ is always offering himself to us. In a state of mortal sin, we are not invited to communion because to go to communion would be a lie. Mortal sin are, are acts that separate us from God. Communion is the celebration of our union with him and our concomitant decision to want to go deeper into union with all that he is and all that he wants us to be. There needs to be a time of repentance. There needs to be a time of confession so that one can restore the relationship that was broken. Remember, Jesus said, whatever you do to the least of my brothers and sisters, you do to me. So every sin that we commit, and particularly on the level of grave sins, we're doing it to Christ. The trouble is, many Catholics don't believe Jesus is real. They don't believe that their free choices affect our intimacy and our communion with Jesus himself. It's almost as if nothing affects our relationship with Jesus. Jesus is like a rock. Jesus is an immovable mountain. Nothing I do will affect him. That's not true. What I do affects my ability to enter into the many, many gifts of intimacy that he wants to keep drawing us into. But if I keep lying, if I keep saying, I love you, Jesus, but I don't love you, Jesus. I, I, I want to be your disciple, but then again, I don't want to be your disciple in the area of morals. He can only draw so far into those gifts of intimacy. 
Not because he doesn't want to, but because we don't want to. Again, a good analogy might be a husband who has an adulterous affair on his wife. And she finds out about it. And he comes home and he wants to go back to normal. Why can't everything be the same? Why can't we just go back to the way we were? And of course, she understands that she's been giving herself to him in great delight and intimacy for many years. She had wanted to give him even more than he could ever imagine in this relationship. But he went and he took another relationship. And in taking another relationship, he took something from her. He took trust from her. He took joy from her. And he was taking for himself the whole time. And now he just wants to waltz back in and have everything be the same. If that incredible level of disruption occurs between two humans who just barely understand how to love, What is the sacrilege between a human and love itself? If we just want to go to Jesus and say, look, why can't everything be the same as it was? That's a sacrilege. We don't think it's a sacrilege to go and take communion in a state of mortal sin because we don't think Jesus is real. We don't think that our actions are real. We think to some extent it's a big game and everything will turn out okay because I'm a nice guy in the end. So the only reason and the only way the teaching of the church about refraining from Holy Communion in a state of mortal sin is ever going to make sense to the people is if we truly understand the power of our freely chosen actions, the power of of our freely chosen actions that are evil to truly disrupt the communion and the intimacy that God wills for us with himself and with our brothers and sisters. It's almost as if we have to ask, do you have any idea how powerful you are in your freedom to do evil? And I think the answer is, no, we don't. We don't. And even when we see our victims a lot of times, we want, to quickly, we want to quickly cover it over with a fast apology. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Now, now let's move on. We don't want the wound that we caused to be in any way, shape, or form the wound that now wounds us. And so we want to run away from our victims. Well, Jesus is the victim. That's why we call it the host, which is simply Latin for victim. He's the victim for all our wounding. And every act of evil we do is real to Jesus. Because Jesus is doing nothing but saying, I will continually pour myself out for your welfare and for your own transformation. Will you please respond to this grace and let me make you happy? And we continue to refuse and to go about trying to make our own happiness 
which is impossible, because of our sinful, wounded state. Now, the Catholic Church has Eucharistic hospitality. The Catholic Church welcomes all into the Church. But it does not welcome sacrilege. And it will never, it will never stop teaching and preaching from the pulpit the moral teachings which are given to us by God for our benefit. And of course, if we are in a state of sin and the preacher chooses to preach on adultery that day, and you are an adulterer sitting in the very presence of Jesus, you can run, you can hate the preacher, you can call the church medieval, but Christ is still there in the truth that was uttered by the preacher, still there calling to you. And he will always be there calling to you in truth. There are many other churches that you could go to that practice Eucharistic hospitality that never preach a hard word, never preach a word of turning and repentance in the area of personal moral conversion. In other words, they leave you in your sin. The last church you ever want to go to is a church that leaves you in your sin. As painful as it may be to hear your sins uttered in homilies and catechetical classes, that is a great gift given to you for your own life and welfare and health and your eternal happiness. Listen to what is being preached on Sunday. And if you never hear your sins, go somewhere else because you are not being given life there. You are probably in the presence of cowards who are afraid to preach the truth because their only law is thou shalt not offend. That's not the law that saves us. The law is the law of love that is hanging on the cross. Jesus always spoke the truth in love, but he always spoke the truth. If you just look at the story of the woman at the well, she was at once attracted to Jesus, even as every sin she ever committed was being named. Because of who he was, he could reveal what separates a person from God, while at the same time drawing that person to God. Only God can do that. Only God can reveal what separates us from himself and at the same time draw us to himself. Let God do that for you at Mass. Unfortunately, we are out of time, but in our next segment, we'll talk about the growth into a unitive relationship with Christ. You've been listening to The Way of Mystery, The Eucharist and Moral Living with Deacon James Keating. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. 
This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Institute for Priestly Formation. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible to help support our efforts. But most of all, we pray that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for The Way of Mystery, the Eucharist and Moral Living with Deacon James Keating.